0: Tuesday, July second. Welcome to Mark Foolery. I'm Chris Hall, joining me in the studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Supernova, Matt Argensinger. Happy July, guys! Yes, sir. Hi. Hot uh, July. Uh, programming note: We we were off yesterday. We we're off on Monday. Um, this is it for the week. So we're gonna you know we're gonna try and make this one count. We're gonna burn some calories on this one, but uh, we're not in tomorrow. Uh, and then we have July fourth Independence Day here in the states. So, um, uh, but we will be back next Monday when earnings season officially kicks off. With Alcoa,
1: all right, the double A, the double A aluminum
2: can in here just to you know celebrate (laughs) drive the the point home
0: the always sexy Alcoa (laughs) earnings. Uh, But today we are we've got a hot IPO. We're going to talk new CEOs, old CEOs, a hot new investment idea from the Winklevi. Yes, the Winklevi are back, Um, awesome. But let's start with an IPO that is just frankly blowing my mind. Noodles and Company went public last Friday. The IPO price was $18 a share. Here we are, day three, it's over $45 a share. What is going on here?
2: Well, Chris, I noted (laughs) after we were talking about this, before we started taping, and I was looking at the the ticker feed for Noodles, and I thought, okay, wow, there's an article there, one restaurant stock to avoid right now. And I I just guess I wasn't thinking in my haste, I clicked on it. And
0: it's actually for me and you. Yeah. And uh, and I I stand by that headline. We talked about this yesterday on... uh, uh, (laughs) Investor, oh, B. investor, B, yeah, and I, I stand. Well, you know, clearly, I you guys are wrong. We I mean, it's up seventeen percent today. Exactly. Uh, What's you know, yeah, what kind of call is that? If doing. you liked it at thirty-eight, you're going to love it at forty-five.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that you know, again, I mean, we go back to this whole avoiding IPOs for for a number of different reasons, but they are certainly very unpredictable, and you never. I mean, when Facebook IPO, I mean, we thought it was going to change the world. Obviously, that's been one of the bigger flops uh, in in you know, the market. I mean, uh, this has been another sort of wow. I mean, I'm not sure exactly what the rationale behind this is. I mean, you know, when I look at the numbers. I mean, yeah, there is there's an interesting growth proposition here uh, with 350 or so restaurants and this aspiration to get to 2,500, you know, over the course of the next decade plus. Whether they can do it, who knows? I mean, that's that's a lot of supposition. And um, it also assumes that they're going to continue to build out a very quality offering there. Uh, what concerns me is is just, uh I know that with at this point you know they reported 300 million dollars uh, in revenues for 2012 uh, about 16 million dollars in operating income so th- they have still very low operating margins now understanding that that is primarily because it's still such a small concept but I wonder if as as it builds out their footprint I mean these are stores with very involved and big menus lots of ingredients very uh it's just less than simple you know versus something like a chipotle when you walk into their streamlined operation limited menu and options and that's why chipotle runs those uh, 17 plus percent operating margins i'm sure that over time noodles and company will will improve their margin uh, picture but i don't know that they could ever actually get to that level and i think that these prices today are assuming a lot of good things <laughs> happening for these guys and and right. correct me I, if i'm wrong but everybody i've talked to to this point I, i've not really heard anything terribly compelling about their menu offering either. I mean, most people I've spoken with don't
0: really enjoy the food there. Yeah, there's one just up the road here from Full Global Headquarters. I've never gone in it, but some people here have, and, and the reviews are mixed. mixed. There's some people who sort of like it, but yeah. – uh,
1: I've been – yeah, I've been to one. And there, there's one in um, Arlington, I guess, and, you know, it's, it, it's a big menu – Lot of options, you know. They've kind of got a semi restaurant. I mean, you kind of you order your food, you sit down, and they actually bring it to you. But you have one of those numbers. It's not really full service, but yeah. To me, I mean, it's nothing. It's nothing super compelling, I guess. But when I see a, a, an IPO like this, that's up. Gosh, what 120 percent? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, I wonder what that what that tells me about the uh, the market. And we, we, the market's been very strong, obviously this year, the past few days. IPO, you know, market might be heating up. I'm not sure though that it's 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 telling me that the market's too pricey right now. I mean, if you look at the the pace of IPOs, we are ahead of last year's pace. Yeah. Um, in terms of the number of IPOs, by by quite a, a big margin. But we have to remember last year had Facebook, which was huge, one of the biggest IPOs of all time. Proceeds from IPOs this year are actually running behind a little bit of last year if you include Facebook. And so, you know, it, it, to my mind, given the strength of the stock market. The low interest rates, you know, really low ca- overall capital costs. Even though interest rates have come up a little bit, I'm surprised there aren't more IPOs. I'm surprised there hasn't been more mergers and acquisitions, more, you know, more private equity deals. It really has been kind of a a weird market for deals and new offerings. And I'm just wondering if that tells me that the market still has room on the upside. Maybe, but it's it
0: also seems like given everything Jason just said, there have to be people who look at something like this and say, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. This this is an indication and I'm not one of those investors who looks at the market today and says it's out of control, it's a nineteen ninety nine, two thousand all over again. But I do look at this I think this is fodder for people who want to make that argument. Sure. To to look at a company with uh, I guess what's a charitable word? Modest, mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a modest set of numbers on the balance sheet. Right. Um, ambitious growth plans, but to look at it and say, "Oh yes, this absolutely deserves this kind of multiple." It just seems crazy. No,
1: I, I agree. I mean, if I noodle over it enough long enough, oh. I, I have to. Oh come on! Wow. I had to yeah, I mean, I, I for think all that... those
0: listeners who thought Jason was going to make the first pun. Nope, <laughs>
1: nope.
0: We're
2: done here. Uh, I let be very clear. I, I, I'm not saying that I don't think Noodles and Company can't be successful. I mean, I, I think that there's a reason why they have 350 restaurants today. Obviously, they are successful. Right. Uh, but but to your point, there, I do think that uh, it's an interesting story, and maybe the uh, the market is a little bit more excited about that story than than some of us. Are and and I think this this stock is certainly ahead of itself. I would be avoiding this one like the plague for now, and I will bet dollars to donuts that at some point here in the very near future we will see this stock pull back a decent bit.
0: Don Matrick is going to be the new CEO at Zynga. Matrick previously had been the head of Microsoft's Xbox division. And Maddie, this news broke middle of the day yesterday. You look at a stock chart of, of Zynga's shares. And from mid-Monday afternoon to today, they're up about 20%. And it seems like there are people who look at this guy and say, you know what? If anyone's going to turn around Zynga and give it life, it, this seems to be the guy.
1: Yeah, this I mean, it reminds me a little bit about, you know, the Buffett's old quote about, you know, if, if you have a reputation for brilliance as a manager, it doesn't really mean much because the reputation of the business is usually one that holds on. Zynga hasn't been. Zinga has been a struggle. It's down a lot from. I mean, seventy percent. I think from its IPO. Uh, I I view this as really good news for Zinga. I think. I think this is a great hire for them. For Matrix, I almost almost think it's like a it's a demotion. To be honest with you, I mean, if I look if, if I look at my he was head of Microsoft's Xbox Xbox business. I mean, ten years ago, Xbox didn't have a dog in the the game oh, yeah. console fight. I mean, it was essentially Sony and Nintendo, and. In the in the space of a decade, Microsoft has built this multi billion dollar gaming business, and they're, they're it's huge. And I just I'm like, would I, would I step away from that, you know, and all the exciting things that we know are happening with Xbox and sort of enter, you know interactive entertainment in general to go run Zynga, a social game you know gaming company with which while well has many popular games is is not is essentially lighting the fire in terms of new gaming content. So I. I, I think it's a bit of a demotion, actually.
2: Got the new game. I mean, this is just a no-brainer here with the way the stock's reacting. CEOville. I mean, we <laughs> all want to live that <laughs> life, right? Right on. I mean, this right is just on. inspired. And, I mean, you, you think about giving you that one, Zynga. I, I think that, really, in all honesty, we have to look at what was what was the compensation here that was offered. Because I, Maddie's exactly right. I mean, Matrix was there with Xbox, which ostensibly is... The most optimistic uh, you know aspect of Microsoft business, I think at this point to my mind I mean there's still a lot of possibilities there with with that with that new console uh, to go over to something like Zynga is i mean i 'm sure they they probably brought him over with a decent chunk of change, but you know this is a great example of of how a change in leadership can certainly uh, change the street 's view on a company or at least open its eyes to the possibilities because up until now i mean. It's just been it's been sort
1: of a bungle of Groupon proportion, right? right I mean, well, this, and this business has just done nothing right since it went public. And a big question mark for here is that you know Mark Pincus, the founder of Zynga, is still going to he's going to remain chairman, which is not surprising, but he's also going to remain chief product officer, yeah, creative control, and they're going to form
2: a committee that essentially will will be in charge of of producing these this, you know these new games, this new content, which I, that gives me a little pause there because I feel like I feel like Pincus Pincus's control here. Has been part of the problem all
1: along. Um, well, so I, I, so I guess I'm questioning what what Matrix is, brings to the table, and I guess it, it's probably distribution. Maybe it's it's probably you know new platforms for Zynga's games. I mean, that's that's all I can kind of think of. Because I, I, if he's if Pinkus is still Chief Product Officer, then the, the the development, the game development aspect of Zynga is not going to change that much
2: potentially. Right? But if you look at all the talent that's flooded out of, of Zynga's doors to date, I mean, a lot of people have left this company. I, I mean. There's got to be at least you know a part of this where they felt getting uh, Matrix into this company at least makes Zynga look a bit more attractive for other talent to come in because as it stands, I mean virtually every bit of talent has left this company, uh, so they have to they have to give people a reason to come work for them, and I don't think that Pincus is that reason. Maybe Matrix is.
0: If this is good news for Zynga, it is almost definitely bad news for Microsoft, and I will just read directly from a story that appeared on Fast Company's website. News that Don Matrix is leaving Microsoft as president of the company's interactive entertainment unit to run Zynga was a shock when it broke on Monday to Microsoft in particular. Just days before the company planned to announce a massive reorganization and months before the release of Xbox One, there was no contingency plan for Matrix departure, a sign that almost no one had a clue. For now, Microsoft CEO Steve Ballmer will be overseeing the division oh i'm so much uh, more excited about xbox right now (laughs) that (laughs) is if you're a microsoft shareholder that is that is chilling because that xbox really has been such a bright spot Mm -hmm. for microsoft's business and the xbox one got rave reviews really and our colleague charlie uh, charlie travers in particular um really thought this was a significant step up uh, in terms of the console, so um, uh, to yeah. to be continued, we will continue to keep our eyes on that, but that is uh, definitely bad news from Microsoft. Uh, sticking with CEOs, Disney has just extended the contract of CEO Bob Iger by one year, so he will now be staying through the end of, uh, I think it's the end of June 2016. 2016 um. What do you think of this? I mean, as a Disney shareholder, I'm I'm pleased. Yeah. Um, but I also and and I, I guess on some level, I think okay, great. This gives them one additional year to find someone to fill. What are going to be really big shoes to fill? Yeah, I can't wait to let my
2: daughters know about this news. They're Disney shareholders, and I'm sure they'll be thrilled too. No, not really. Chris I was, really, I was, I was he? Really? That. That's They're just going to be asking when we're going back to Disney World. But uh, with that said, I think that um, you know we've, we've certainly always been a fan of Iger. I mean, he's had this just trifecta of acquisitions between Pixar and Marvel and now Lucasfilm, which uh, it's hard to imagine Lucasfilm not being successful. Uh, but yeah, he's done a terrific job with the company up to this point. Um, I'm, I'm always encouraged. The longer that he sticks around, I, the more encouraged I am. But I think that really this is a succession issue. I just don't think they've really uh, found who they want yet or feel comfortable with uh, at this point. And so keeping Iger on for this additional amount of time gives him a little bit more room uh, to, to – be a part of that succession planning because I, I think that replacing him is going to be a very big deal for this company because leadership with a big company like this could make or break the operation. And if you get some idiot in the chair there, he could really—I mean, Disney sells itself for the most part, but but bad leadership can take any company down.
0: I uh, I agree, and I also think that when you look at—and uh, again, all credit to Iger for making these acquisitions—but part of the challenge here for for Iger. the next couple of years, and whoever fills his shoes, is you've got these increasing um, little domains, the studio division, uh, someone like a John Lasseter, who rose to the ranks of Pixar and now oversees all of Disney animation, including Pixar. You've got ESPN, which is its own little empire. You've got the parks. And while on the one hand, you have strong leaders at these positions, you also have you also have to manage them. Yep. You have to manage those egos. You have to deal with them, and and that to me is going to be as big
1: a part of the challenge as anything else. I agree. I mean, they've all sort of grown up and and had long term relationships with Iger, and if that's that's a huge void. <laughs> Do you think
0: part of it for Iger? And we we had talked about this on Market Foolery, I think a week or two ago, um, when we were talking about Lululemon uh, and Christine Day leaving, and uh, Tim Hansen had made the point on the podcast that. He thought Christine Day uh, was not pushed out by the board. He thinks that she just sort of looked at the landscape, looked at her five and a half years uh, running the company and thought, you know what, there's no way the next five years are going to be as good, and so I'm going to get out now. Do you think, to some small extent, Iger maybe thinks uh, I can I, I'll do one more year, but then I, you know I'm going to hang up my spurs and go home. Well, I can see the logic there with Lululemon. I
2: mean, I I, I think Tim hit onto something there that uh, could could very well be the case. I mean, Lululemon has been uh, certainly the point of a lot of debate around here. Disney is a bit different, I think, in that it is it's obviously a much more established, and mature company, a little bit more predictable, um, some very powerful. Uh, properties within within that entire catalog. Uh, so I, I think to to a I I don't think that's the case here. I mean I think that he's been planning for a while to step down. It's not something that we just really had heard about. I think this is more uh, more of they're, they're playing the role in trying to make sure they f- they fill his shoes w- with the best candidate.
1: And I agree. And I I mean I think you know is it 2015 when the first sort of Star Wars yes new property is mm-hmm. going to come out? And so you know I. I imagine he's pretty excited about that and kind of seeing where that's going to take the company. So, you know, I, I yeah, I agree. I don't think he's calling it the top, so to speak. <laughs>
0: As I mentioned at the top, uh, thank goodness the Winklevoss twins are back. Um, they have filed a proposal with the SEC to create an ETF, an exchange-traded fund, that will solely track bitcoins. Is there anyone other than – the immediate Winklevoss family who thinks this is a good idea. Is there any investor out there? Is there any advisor going to their client saying, "Oh, I'm going to get in on the ground floor of that. I'm going to take care of you, Matt. I'm going to get you in that ETF as soon as it comes public."
1: What, uh, Jason? You said it best, I think, uh, in an email this morning. When we were talking about this.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, when I read this, I threw up a little bit in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, it just yeah. made me. It yeah. just yeah. made me a little bit sick. It made I, me a little bit sick. I, what I mean.
1: I, what I, yeah, I, I guess what I'm fascinated by is who, who is going to invest in this, and how, why do the Winklevoss twins think they've got I, – I guess I'm trying to think of what, they, what kind of influence they think they have. And yeah. maybe, they're like, maybe it's a lot. They're like the
2: Paris Hilton of the finance world. like They're famous. I mean, I know there's this whole Facebook <laughs> argument, but really, what value are these guys adding? Seriously,
0: uh, I mean – I remember hearing an interview with Will Ferrell – Uh, talking about some of the characters he's played in movies like Ricky Bobby in Talladega Nights (laughs) and uh, Jackie Moon in Semi-Pro and that sort of thing. Ron Burgundy. And and Ron Burgundy and Anchorman. And the phrase he used uh, to link these characters was unearned confidence. That, you know, Ron Burgundy is a guy who thinks he's brilliant, has this amazing confidence – Really, just not that smart. That kind of thing, and that's what I think of with the with the Winklevoss twins. Where it's like they have this hutzpah, they have this confidence, and I just sort of look at it and go, I get that you have the Facebook connection, and I get that you have degrees from Harvard University, and that's wonderful. But I really don't get, like in. Uh, At the apex of my confidence in my entire life, I haven't been a fraction as confident as those two dudes are. (laughs) I feel like if you
2: were asking me, if you said, Jason, what's one surefire way, other than just lighting my cash on fire, what's a surefire way for me to lose my money? (laughs) I would say investing in this ETF. (laughs) That's it. There go. It yep. just doesn't sound like a good idea.
0: We will uh, we'll keep our eyes on it just to see if the SEC gives it the green light and where we go from there. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, Thursday is Independence Day here in the states. Uh, so, uh, uh, and we know that among our dozens of listeners, we have uh, some military fools out there, uh, some retired, some active, uh, stationed around the world, and. Uh, uh, on behalf of everyone at the Molly Fool, thank you for your service and uh, we do not take for granted for one moment uh the fact that we are an independent nation we are free and uh, and we thank you for your service uh as we wrap up 4th of July i mean just such a wonderful fun holiday here in the states is there is there anything when you think of oh the 4th of July is coming up that you think oh that it, it can be from your childhood it can be fireworks whatever uh for me uh Maybe not a shock to longtime listeners. Uh, it's food, and in particular, corn on the cob. Mm, just the oh whole yeah. notion mm. of uh, you know knee high by the Fourth of July. Just oh, corn. It's corn on the cob season for me begins officially on July Fourth. But Maddie, what about
1: you? Sidecars, sidecars, sidecar. Side if you guys don't know sidecar, it's like a vintage drink from the twenties. Mm. So wait, good. Wait a minute, sidecar or cart? Sidecar. Okay, sidecar. So brandy, cognac, <laughs> a little bit of lime juice. Uh quantro, it's, it's, it's sugar around the uh, around the lip of the glass. Excellent. It's, I've it's, it's never a, heard of this. It's a beautiful drink. Oh, it's it's, it's gaining a little bit of steam, like the, the trend like trendy vintage drinks from the twenties and thirties are, are coming back, sort of the probation era cocktails of choice. But sidecars, my friends and I are getting together having a barbecue tomorrow, sidecars will be in the beverage list. It also sounds like the I've never had one, but it sounds like the kind of drink that you probably can't have
0: a lot of.
2: No. <laughs> I was just going to say he's uh, referring – he's saying plural. I'm like, it sounds like one of those in your knee-walking. I think no. so. Two or,
1: mm-hmm. two or 3 JMO. what
2: about I, you? There are a million things, I guess. I, I love it. I always get a little bit of a lump in my throat when the fireworks go off. I just love America. But, you know, I've got a little bit of a sort of a – we have we have two dogs at our house. And we have our, our older dog, Duval. She's getting ready to turn 11. Her birthday is the is 4th of July. Oh. There you go. And it's just uh, – this dog has traveled with us to Egypt and Kazakhstan and everywhere – and uh, she's like my best buddy. I've met
1: I played with the dog. So, yeah, she'll be 11
2: on, on the 4th of July. Just kind of always always a good, good feeling.
0: Uh, I'm guessing, though, that maybe your dog, not a big fan of fireworks. No. That's as a matter of fact, when the thunder and lightning
2: start, she's under the
0: bed upstairs. Yeah. All right, Jason Moser, Matt Argusinger, guys, thanks for being here. Thanks. Thank you. We will be back next Monday. Happy Independence Day, everyone. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Foolery. Our man behind the glass, Steve Broido, helping us out with the Steve. technical aspects today. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.